Okay, let's uh, take our Bibles and go over to Genesis chapter 1. So today's Mother's Day. In, in case you weren't aware, there's still time to redeem yourself. So you can make a card, make a phone call. You're still young in the day. You're not in trouble. Um, you, can still, you can still act like you know what's going on. Hey, I have five things, five truths about truths mothers should never forget. Mothers should never forget. And I say, now you may be saying, wait a minute, what if I'm not a mother? Just hang on, there's something in this message for all of us. And what if you're saying, well, I'm a man. I'm either not a father or I am a father. There's something in here in this message for you. But five truths uh, that mothers should never forget, five truths. Uh, today we'll preach this message. Next week we'll be back on a, a Sabbath message, and then we'll start an exposition of 2 Corinthians a week after that. I'm looking so forward to doing that. I love uh, preaching through books of the Bible because the Bible pretty much decides what I'm going to say. I love that. But there are times when we want to do something topical. Today's a great day. Also, at the very end of service, we'll do, uh, we'll do a, sometimes you call it a baby dedication, kid dedication, uh, I like to call it sometimes more of a parent dedication because that's what it really is. And we have a couple families with uh, young children they'd like to dedicate. And really, we'll be dedicating the parents. We'll walk you through that. Um, but first, I want to focus on this. Five truths. Five truths that mothers should never forget. And I would say five truths that all of us should never forget. Number one, mothering is foundational to God's plan and order. It's foundational to God's plan and order. It is. If you go to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 24, I want you to notice what's something about the very beginning. Y'all do know where Genesis is at in the Bible, correct? Are we okay with this one? Verse 24. Then God said, let the earth, this is the sixth day. The fifth day had just ended. We're now at the sixth day. This is Genesis 1, 24. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle, Creeping things, beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so, just a side note, I love that about God's power. If God decides something is going to happen, it is so. Verse 25, God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind. Every creeping thing on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Verse 26, then God said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, so that they may have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Notice first off, before we get to the idea of family and God's order and plan, we also see that man is taking responsibility for what God has given him. Man is stewarding. He is stewarding what God has given him. Just a side note. I don't believe that you should delay uh, marriage when you are ready for marriage, but also you shouldn't rush into marriage all very, in a very hasty way, not understanding the full implications. So we see that they've give, been given dominion. And then verse 27, And God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and what? Female he created them. This is not to meant... This is not to be some jab. This is meant to be the straight truth of, of what God's word says. Let God be true and the philosophies of man a lie. You have a man and you have a woman. If you're a man, you're a male. If you're a woman, you're female. What's the, what, what are some of the major differences? Well, I'll tell you this. Just in case you don't know, men cannot have babies. Are you all aware of this thing? Okay. Because the rest of our culture seems to have forgotten this thing. But men cannot have babies. 
Women can have babies, right? That, that's the big difference. Such a big difference you see here in verse 28. He says this, and God blessed them. And God said, be what? Fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So we find here God's creational plan in order. We see that God says there's a man, there's a woman. They're going to come together in marriage. They're going to come together. They're going to multiply. This is what God has called. This is God's plan in order. Mothering is foundational to everything. Foundational. You know, it's interesting right now, if you've paid attention to the news, there are many countries that did not think this was foundational to God's plan and order. And you know what some of these countries, like Italy, Japan, China, you know what they're doing right now? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We don't have enough children to take care of the next generation. What happened? They went with the philosophies of man and not what God has said. God said, be fruitful and multiply. So I love this passage because it says a lot of things about family. It says a lot of things about God's plan and order. Now, um, have any of you ever heard of something called the MRS degree? Does anybody know what the MRS degree is? Y'all know? Now, here's what I'm finding. I say that word now to someone in their 18 to 20-year-old, and they look at me like, what, is that a new degree? Is that, is that kind of like a, a biology degree, MRS degree? For those of us that may have a little bit more mileage on the uh, odometer here, the MRS degree is the degree that you used to get when you went to college. In the 50s and 60s, when colleges started opening up for women, there weren't really, um, this was kind of a new thing. And, and actually, a lot of colleges, they geared themselves with a lot of home economic courses. And it was kind of the thing back then where it would say that, that many women went to college in the 50s and 60s to get their MRS degree, to get their marriage degree. And what you found is, the statistics back then is, a lot of the women actually didn't even graduate from school. They just went there long enough to find the husband that God had for them. And then they, he graduated, they didn't, and that's how kind of life went. Now, life has shifted a lot now. To be honest with you, it's actually women who actually go to college more than men. And it's women that actually pull through and graduate on a higher percentage scale than men. But here's one thing that I think is funny. If, if you were to say today, well... She just went to this school or that school, or she went to this place so that she could find it. She just wanted to get her MRS degree. It's kind of laughed and sneezed at today, and it is kind of funny, but I would also say this. That's probably a smart woman. <laughs> you know, what we, we probably shouldn't be looking down on her. We actually should be kind of going, well, maybe you're making some wise selection. You know, it's interesting. Um, I've been in Bible college settings for years, right? Um, I met my wife at Bible college, um, and... Even right now, I teach in a Bible college, and a vast majority of these young men and women meet each other there. Um, and we'll even have sometimes, we'll see some young women come to the Bible college, and they'll, think, they'll say to themselves, hey, what's your goal? And they'll say, well, I want to study the scriptures, and I want to plan and sharpen my skills for your mom. I'm hoping, while I'm here, I'm, I'm hoping that God will introduce me to a husband. Now, in a, in a kind of secular culture, that would be seen as, what a waste of your opportunity, but really, is it? I mean, I can tell you this. I couldn't think of a better place if you're wanting a man that loves Jesus. Go find a man who's studying the Bible. That's not a really bad thing. In fact, I'd say that's a pretty good thing. Here's what we find sometimes. I'll find sometimes when you talk to these young ladies and you ask them, what, do you, you know, what is your reason here? They're thinking, I want to be married. I want to have kids. I want to raise kids and multiply. I want to, I want to obey what the Lord has to say. Now, for a lot of our culture, that's snickering. But let me be honest with you. 
It's foundational to God's plan and order. And any culture and society on our earth today who has forgotten that is in big trouble for the future. So here's what I would like to say about mothering. It's foundational. It's a high calling. It's a good calling. Now, I would, I would like to say this. If you're, if you're younger, if you're single, if you're a young married woman, I would beg you. I would beg you. I would implore you. I would implore you. This, this, op, this plan, God's plan to be fruitful multiplies in the covenant of marriage. It's the only safe place that this actually can happen. And I would also, I would also tell you this. One of the things that a young woman, I would encourage all young women to do is, is to look for other women who know the Lord and let them help disciple you. I think that's one of the things that is discouraging at times is our culture thinks that you have to have people your same age to actually help you. And I would say you need people your same age. Then you need people who have a lot more experience down the line to, help, to actually help in this process. But mothering is foundational. It's foundational in the scriptures. It's foundational to all that's going to happen. I can tell you even for myself what I've seen I've seen parents where they may have a young man and woman who, you know, young kids who are actually do have the ability to be married, do make, have the ability to be faithful in the covenant of marriage, and they'll delay them for one reason, wait till you finish school. Let me just tell you as a parent, I'm a parent, um, finishing school is not the end-all, be-all. You understand that, right? That's not the end-all, be-all. It's good. But I can tell you this, if you're a parent, if you're a line and you're listening to your parent and your kids are in school studying, doing what's right, and yet they're in a relationship where, and they can make a biblical commitment to covenant and follow through, as a parent, I would caution you to, incur, to discourage them from going forward into the covenant of marriage. I would discourage that. Why is that? Since when was education more important than family? Now, don't get me wrong. I believe in education, right? I'm a guy that's got two degrees, Working on another degree. I'll probably work on another degree. I'm the guy that's all about education. But I would caution you to think that education is a God above family. We've seen this quite a bit. I would tell you this. If you're young and you're single, prepare for marriage. If you're a young man, please, I implore you, don't waste your life right now. Start preparing someday. Parents, we've got young men in our homes we prepare them to take on a family someday. Lord willing, God will give them that. You know what's the sad reality right now? There's more women that graduate from college than men. And most women at this point, if you were to, if you were to interview the average young lady and ask her, what do you think about marriage? What do you think about having a husband someday? Most will say this. If I can find a man that won't beat me or cheat on me, that's okay. That's all I'm looking for. Gone is the day where most women would look to a man to actually provide and support for the family. Most would say, if he won't beat me or cheat on me, bottom level, he can play all the video games he wants. He can be irresponsible if he has at least a, a, a minimum wage job and can do that. I'll take care of the home. I'll take care of the finances. I'll take care of myself. I'm telling you, if you interview most young ladies, they're thinking to themselves, I cannot depend on a man at my, I, will, I can really depend on myself, and he will just be an addition and just a help to keep me from being lonely. That's extreme raw fact. Now, what I'm, why am I telling us this? Because mothering, it's foundational to God's plan and order. And if you're going to be a mother, it's going to involve being a wife, typically, right? And I would say this, if there's a man that you're 
looking at. The question is, if he's going to lead you, who's leading him? But it's foundational. Not only is mothering foundational to our whole culture and society, foundational to everything, but also it's foundational to what actually God had meant to show even in his creational order. As God has created man and woman to come together and to create, to be fruitful and multiply, God has called us to multiply disciples in the same way. Number two, and go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Number two, mothering is unique and in a unique creational design. Not only does it present God's plan and order, but it's also very unique in its design. Here's the thing. There's sometimes this thought that, that circles around that there's things that men get to do that women don't get to and that women are being held back. But God has an order and a plan of what he's designed creation to work. And, and let me tell you, there is a, a woman being able to have children equalizes the playing field. Now don't get me wrong, God has an order for the home. God has designed that a man would lead his home that he would shepherd it, that he would pastor it. God has designed a woman that she would be responsive and submissive to that leadership. That does not mean that, that, that a husband can be abusive towards his wife. In no way does it mean that. There is an order that God has. This order goes off of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son is submissive to God the Father. God the Holy Spirit is submissive to the Son. They work together. There's a beautiful union and there's a beautiful order of how they function in the Godhead. God's designed the family to have a functional order in the same way. But I want you to notice, and he's talking about head coverings at this point in 1 Corinthians 11, but I want you to peek into some creational discussion in verse 9. It says this. Actually, we'll we'll pick up in verse 8. For man does not originate from the woman, but the woman from the man. Verse 9. For indeed a man was not created for the woman's sake, but the woman for the man's sake. Therefore... A woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, neither is a woman independent of a man, nor is a man independent of a woman. As, for as the woman originates from the man, so also the man has his birth from the woman. But all things originate from God. Notice that God does have an order in the scriptures, but also that order does not denote that God has made it in such a way that woman is from man, but from a woman comes children. They are still interdependent on each other. This is a beautiful thing, a unique creational design. In our day and age, this isn't, this isn't actually seen as special. But this is what makes a woman so different from, from a man. This, makes, this is actually something special. And this is also why good ministries like the resource center that has come this morning... They're trying to help women to embrace the creational design that God is actually having. Listen, it is a gross violation of God's design to do anything to a baby that is in a womb. Amen? It's a gross violation of God's design. I wonder sometimes if, if we're not teaching our young ladies enough to understand that this is, a, this is a creational design that God has given you that is unique above all. Mothering is unique in its creational design. Mothering is foundational to God's plan and order. And I would say this, mothering, number three, calls for the support of the Christian community. That's interesting. It calls for the support of the Christian community. Here's what I find about mothers many times. 
they feel lonely. They feel like nobody is there to help. But my question sometimes is this. Have our mothers actually understood that there is a world of help all around them if they'll avail themselves to what God has given? I'll do this. Go over to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. By the way, if, I, if people have asked me, do I have any regrets in life, um, go to Titus chapter 2. And this kind of goes with point one and two of my sermon. I don't have many regrets in life, to be honest with you. I don't. Um, the Lord saved me at 16. He called me in the ministry. I went and got trained for it and met my wife in Bible college and married her. I mean, my, if, uh, I don't have any regrets. I really don't. I do have one regret in life. It's the only regret I have is that we waited we waited longer than we should have to be fruitful and multiply. That's the only regret that I have in life. We, we waited, and really, uh, it was me who was stalling. Uh, we waited until four years, so it was five years before we had Arabella, um, our angel child, right, Arabella. And I can tell you this, um, my pastor, my pastor, when we got married, said, God, Steve Ham, right, he he told me that God has called a husband and wife to be fruitful, multiply, and to be open to the blessing of children. And here's what I thought in that moment. That is old and antiquated. That's not how the modern day world works. You need to understand. You need to have some time to be separate. You need to have some time to yourself as husband and wife that you can get to know each other. And you need to kind of have that time. And you just don't, that, that's just old fashioned. You don't understand. We need some us time then kids can come at some later point. Does any of this sound like familiar advice? Here's my, here's my kind of thought. Where is that in the scriptures? Point me to a text of scripture that says that. It's not there. You know what the word of God actually does point to? Is that in the covenant of marriage, if God were to give you children, it's a blessing. It's a good thing. Honeymoon babies aren't bad things. Now, I remember at this time thinking, um, I remember we got to about year four, and Cindy had said to me, you know, there, by the way, do we all know what this kind of happens, right? That when it's time to kind of have a baby, you've stalled as long as you can. Typically, you'll have the wife is pressuring him, and he's thinking, well, at some point, I just got to give in, and we got to have kids, right? Does any of this sound familiar? No. Well, it's because your husband loves the Lord, right? That's why. <laughs> and so I remember one day Cindy coming to me and saying, you know, I'm waiting for you to say, I want children. She wanted me to say that. And I can remember telling her, I am so sorry. I don't think you're ever going to hear me say that. I just, I just, it's just the right thing to do at this moment, right? Now, that is a regret and a confession of sin that the way God has designed marriage is that you would be open to the fruit of that marriage. You'd be open to what God would give from that marriage. And what is my only regret? That we did not, that we bought into a secular lie that marriage is about selfism, is about selfishness. And let me tell you, for millennia, people have been married, had babies, nine, ten months after the covenant, and have grown to love each other. In fact, let me test it. In America, in America, more and more people who get married wait longer and longer to have kids and are older and older before they have kids. And has our divorce rate still gone up? Yes. Millennia ago, was our divorce rates much lower? And were these people having children almost immediately as God would give them? 
Yes. So don't test that secular method out and think that's how it works. God has a plan the whole entire time. In fact, I would tell you this. I would be scared today to not get to see my wife as a mother as well. There have been parts of my wife that I never was able to see in those first four years because I, in sin, did not open, I was not open to what the scriptures had to say about the fruit of of the fruit of a covenant. But what I've loved through the years is this is what I love Mother's Day from this aspect of I love watching my wife be a mom through the years. I love seeing her love her children. I love seeing her discipline her children. I love seeing her do the full aspect. I love seeing her speak into her children. I love seeing the gentleness. I love seeing her aspect and her unique perspective on things. I'm telling you, have we not noticed that most kids would never make it past their toddler years if it wasn't for their mom? I mean, there would probably be that 105 fever that would have took over and just took over the kid. There is something about a mom's love. I've seen a mom's love love so hard through the night in a way that sometimes I haven't even seen a man's love. I've seen a woman's love go so much that she's loving even when she's asleep. This is a funny story, but one time when we were in Wisconsin, um, so Trinity, um, Arabella was a great sleeper. Arabella, you put her in the bed, she went to sleep, that was it. Trinity was not a great sleeper, right? So at night, Cindy often, and it was, she would just sit over the crib and just pat her through the night. And then she would go like this, and so it was kind of like a rhythm, right, where that's how she kept her baby asleep. Any moms have to do that where you just kind of had to pat, certain babies just had to kind of pat them and give the comfort of your voice and your touch through the night? Well, one night I was laying in bed, solid asleep, then all of a sudden Cindy reached over and was just patting me. <laughs> and I didn't even wake her up. I just pulled over and was like, man, this does feel really good, right? <laughs> what was that? That, that showed you how much a mom had been spent, how many nights she'd spent just mothering to take care of this child that is even a knee-jerk while she's asleep. So it's a unique creational design. It's unique for God's order in creation, for God's order in life. It's foundational. Also, I would say this. this now we get to point number three. Mothering calls for the support of the Christian community. Look at Titus chapter 2. Now, we'll... This addresses men as well as women, right? So this is for everybody, but I do want to point out something interesting, but just hang with me for a second as I just go through the text. Hang with me for a second. Titus 2. But as for you, speak things which are proper for sound doctrine. Older men, so it's addressing us older men. I think maybe I could fit in that one. I think I've got enough gray hair, maybe. I don't know. I'm on the, I'm on the edge. Older men are to be sober. They're not to be people who give themselves over to drunkenness. I'm just going to tell you, if you're an older man, you are failing your church and you're failing young men if you continue to be controlled by alcohol. Dignified. That means worthy of respect in all things they do. Sensible means they're self-controlled and sound mind. They're sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. This is what the older men are to be supposed to do like as they mature in the Lord. Verse 3, older women, likewise... They're to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips. By the way, that word malicious there, diablos. Anybody know what that sounds like? Not devilish gossipers. Not enslaved to much wine. Same thing for women teaching what is good. Now look at verse 4. What's the two words you see there most of your translations? So that. So here's how older men attack. Here's how older women act. And what's the next two words? So that, so that, 
What does that mean? That means one of the reasons you, a woman is to grow in grace and godliness is not only because of her relationship with her Lord and Savior, but also so that you can help the covenant Christian community, so that you can help these younger mothers to do some of the essential things that God has planned. And what is that? So that, verse 4, you may instruct the younger women to love their husbands and love their children. Now, why would God design the older women to teach the younger women to love their husbands and love their children? Because this is not an easy thing to do. What else did anybody who's married think was going to happen when you put two big sinners in a home together? Did you not think something bad was going to happen? Did you not think it was going to be a challenge? What's needed? These older women to help these younger women to love their children and love their husbands. What do we see in this? We see that mothering calls for the support of the Christian community. The support of the Christian community. Mothers, you need your church. You need older women in the church. Older women, young mothers need you. We need each other. One of the things I think is one of the most terrible things, and if I'm telling you, if you think this, please get this out of your soul. A lot of people think that you can only be a part of a church that has a whole bunch of people that are only your age setting and grouping. So some people go, I go to this church because everybody's in my age range, in my setting. Or I go to this church because they're in this age setting. And I would say, that is not seen to be what Scripture bears out. In fact, if you're younger and you go, if you're younger and you ever go to a church and there's people who are older than you, you're probably actually in a really good place. You actually want to ask those people and ask them for their help. He says that so that these older women... Help the younger women love their husband. Look at verse 5. To be sensible, pure, workers at home, busy at home, kind. That they would know how to be subject to their husbands. They would know the order of the home so the word of God not be slandered. You know what's interesting in the text, what you see, the growth of godliness of our young women, our young mothers, our, our, our young wives, actually needs the Christian community of the older women. By the way, it's not that the younger men don't need it as well. If you look down in verse 6, it says, Likewise, urge the young men to be sensible in verse 6. The same thing that the older men have, they're supposed to be putting this into verse 6. That in all things, verse 7, you may be a model of good works, purity and doctrine, dignified. Just fathers, mothers, husbands, wives, we actually need the body of Christ. We need the community of faith. In fact, here in a little bit, we're going to have um, uh, just what we call parent dedication. Some will call it baby dedication, just parent dedication. And one of the statements on the, of the five statements you'll hear us read is that these, these two uh, families will say this. We invite our Christian family members, church, and the Christian community to pray, encourage, support, and hold us accountable to, to keep this commitment faithfully, right? Like we actually need each other. By the way, just a side note, I want to read a couple of scriptures for you, and just in case you've maybe missed this. If you were to look at Mark 10, 28 and 30, really something interesting I think we miss sometimes. The body of Christ, and by the way, if you're online right now, love you. I'm thankful we have this for you. If you're on vacation, if you're sick, if you're providentially here, entered, praise the Lord that we have that. But I will tell you, you can't get that what happens among the body, right? You can't get these things. You can't get Christian community 
online. You get it when you become a part of a church, become a part of a church, when you're a member of it, when you eat meals with it, when you take communion with it, when you go to its small group, when you go to its classes, when you do fellowships, when you go on retreats, when you do all these interpersonal things. This is how the Christian community helps actually encourage and build you up. Mark 10, 28 through 30, I want to read something for you, and, and I think a lot of people have missed this. Verse 28, Peter began to say to him, Behold, we have left everything to follow you, because the rich young ruler just walked away. Now, look at verse 29. Look at what Jesus says. Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake. So Peter's saying, the rich young ruler walked away. What about us? We've given up everything. So Jesus says, hey, let me tell you something. Verse 30, except who will receive a hundred times as much now in the, what does it say? What does it say? Present age, right? Right now, right now. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. Notice something. He's not promising everybody's going to have multiple mansions, so just get that out of your head. What he's saying is this. Yeah, it's going to cost you a lot to follow me. You have eternal life coming someday. But also, right now, you will have a whole family of God houses. You have a whole family of God brothers and sisters and mothers and children. You're going to share in persecutions, but you're going to share in the Christian community together. You're going to go through the highs and lows, but you're going to do them together. The burdens are going to be heavy, but they're going to be lighter because you're doing them together. So my, my call is this. Mothering and mothering well means that you will need the Christian community. You will need others. You will more than likely need your mom. You will more than likely, and you will need other women in the church. You will need you will need their faith, their encouragement, their instruction, their prayers. We will bear each other's burdens together. But parenting and mothering is not a silo activity. I get concerned for any woman who does not have other women who love the Lord, who are helping to encourage her. Have you ever noticed how vulnerable we are? Is it just me, but do you ever realize how vulnerable we are to our thoughts? Our thoughts outside of Christ put us in such vulnerable positions to think such silly things. You need other women in your life. Now, last thing, uh, two things I have left, and then we're going to take communion. We're going to have our time of parent dedication. Mothering, number four, is a high and blessed calling. It's high and blessed. It's a high and blessed calling. You all know Proverbs 31, but one point in Proverbs 31 I think was interesting. In Proverbs 31, 27, it says about this virtuous woman, she watches over the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and bless her. For as for her husband, he praises her. Which So by the way, husbands, it's okay to praise, praise your kid's mom today, right? Many daughters have done excellently, excellently, but you have gone above them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears Yahweh shall be praised. Give to her from the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. So you see even the very ending of the excellent, of, the, of this virtuous woman in Proverbs 31. It talks about how the family's blessing her back. Why is this? Because it's a high and blessed calling. High and blessed. How high 
is the calling of parenting? How high is the call of mothering just like fathering? Well, let me show this to you. Look at Ephesians 6. I don't know if you've noticed this. We have. But notice something very interesting. In Ephesians 6, this is the order for the home when it comes to the children. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Can I get an amen from parents for that? Amen. This is, the, this is the verse that my daughters quote every morning when they wake up. Verse 2. Honor your mother and father, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, that you may live long in the land. Now, I don't obey my parents anymore in the sense that I'm not under their authority house. I've started my own family. But I'm always called to honor them in the ways that are appropriate. Now, how blessed and how high is fathering and mothering? How high and blessed of a calling is it that God calls your children for the rest of their life to honor you appropriately? Get this. I've been in ministry in many different settings, and I have loved people, and they've loved me. But those people that I'm not their pastor anymore, they're not called to honor me as their pastor anymore. They're not called to obey me. Do you understand this? But I will always, always be called to honor my mother and father for the rest of my life. How blessed and sacred and high is being a mother than to know that God is calling your children for the rest of their life, even if you become a widow to look after you. That is amazing. I, I wish, I wish that Christians would grip onto this idea how important marriage is and how important family is, how important this is instrumental in everything that God has designed. Even so, in a minute, when we do this dedication, you'll hear us say a couple statements from these parents. And here's one of the affirmations. I will teach and instruct our children to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and might through obedience to the commands of the Lord found in His Word in our home as we walk, sit down, lie down, rise up, and at all opportunities the Lord provides. Another affirming statement you'll hear these families say, I will share the gospel in our home as we walk sit down, lie down, rise up, and at all opportunities the Lord provides, and earnestly pray by grace through faith that our child will come to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Another affirming statement, we will train our child to be a disciple maker that seeks to make disciples to the obedience of the Lord's command. It's a blessed and high calling. Now last, I want to point you to this text. Go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 for my last point. Now, you might be thinking here, okay, wait a minute, Nick, mm, I'm single, I'm not a mother, or my children are, um, are now grown, they're out of the house, I'm not a mother anymore. Oh, really? Well, I'll tell you this, if you don't think you're a mother anymore, if you're, if you're a lady and let's say, let's say you're working a job and you retire and you live near your kids, guess who's calling you every day? Guess who's the first one to call you when they need something? You know, it's really interesting. Some of you young mothers or some of you mothers that may have like teenage daughters at this point, and you're thinking, man, will we ever like each other, right? Here's what I'm going to tell you. One day, if God gives them children, you're going to find out you're going to be like best friends. 
you're going to discover something's going to be different. They're going to realize that they're going to need you. You're going to be an instrumental part. And by the way, it was interesting. In the text of scriptures that we read, and there's more, we just don't have time, where it talks about the, you know, what we read a while ago, where it said that the older women trained the younger women, right? Notice it said the older women. Did it say the older mothers? Did it say the older mothers? No! That means this. It doesn't matter if you're not married. If you're a single woman, what has God given you? God has given you his word. And just as much as the older married women, an older, mar- older married women with children, even a single mom, even a single woman is called to still play that mothering role. In fact, when you read 1 Timothy 5, 1 through 2, the relationships inside the church, it basically says this. The younger men are to treat the younger women as sisters, so sister, brother, same age, that's how you treat each other. But then the older, the, that the older women are to take a role as mothers to the younger women and that the younger men are to treat the older men as fathers. So where do we find this? Regardless, if you are married, you still play that mothering role in a congregation. So you, don't, you can be a lifelong person who's single and still play that role. Now last, I want to end with this. I hope you get a fact, just a reminder. I'm hoping my reminder is that you ladies realize mothering is a high calling. It's a high calling. And it doesn't stop right now. You move from mother to grandmother. I'm sorry, we don't use that word anymore. To nana, or, you know, we use cool words. Why don't we just go back to the old grandmother, right? Just that, man, that's a strong word. I digress. 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 14. I want to point something to you. The last thing, and I hope you get this, I hope we get this. The impact of mothering is sometimes unseen. But focus on being faithful. It's oftentimes unseen. So you have to focus on being faithful. Now, here's where I pull that principle. Look back at this text. Now, Paul's a lot, of, a, a lot of people, commentators, would say that Paul's answering questions that are going on in the Corinthian church, answering questions. And what many would suppose in verse 12 through 14, and I think it's a very valid, I think when you see the pattern of 1 Corinthians, Paul's answering a question, and the question was, what was happening is two, believe, two unbelievers, were become, one was becoming a believer while one was still an unbeliever. So get this, pagan Corinthians, pagans, unbelievers, gospel comes in, one in the marriage becomes a believer. The other one stays an unbeliever. The thought they were dealing with was, oh, wait a minute. If now one's a believer, one's an unbeliever, maybe our marriage isn't that holy. Maybe there's something wrong with our marriage. Maybe it's a defiled marriage because we have a, we have a believer and unbeliever. They were juggling with that question. So Paul comes in and says, no, 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 no. Believer, if that unbeliever is pleased to stay with you, then stay married to them and show them you could have a sanctifying gospel effect on their life by you being a believer with that unbeliever. Now, this doesn't apply to the fact that you're a Christian and you're going to date and try to marry an unbeliever and God's going to say it's okay. That's not what we're saying in this text. This is an idea of two unbelievers and then the gospel comes in and one becomes a believer, one remains an unbeliever. Their question was, is our marriage no good now? Is it defiled? And the text, he says, no, actually, there's something sanctifying you're doing. But now he also points out something with the children I want to show you. Look in verse 12. 
But to the rest, I say, not the Lord. He's not saying this is not inspired by God. He's saying Jesus did not address this. You're not going to see this in the Gospels. You're not going to see this. This is not addressed by the Lord directly. But if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he must not divorce her. Stay with her. And a woman who has an unbelieving husband, if he consents to live with her, she must not divorce her husband. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified. Now that doesn't mean you're a Christian because you're an unbeliever married to a Christian. That would not fit with the totality of Scripture. But there is a holiness effect and a blessing on that household having at least one believer in the home. So the unbelieving husband is sanctified through the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified through her believing husband. There's a sanctifying effect. Just as a side note, if you're a Christian married to an unbeliever, and you think what I'm doing has no effect on that unbelieving spouse, I would say you're wrong. The text bears it out. But then look at this. For otherwise, your children are unclean, but now they are holy. Now, this is very hard text to interpret, but for otherwise your children are unclean, I believe what he's saying is, if you, don't, if you had two unbelievers, right, and they had children, they're, they're two, unbelieving chil- two unbelievers who have children, more than likely those children are never going to know the Lord, know about the one true God. There's no opportunities for sanctification in a household with two pagan parents. So they're, they're going to be unclean. They're going to be unholy. There's not an opportunity But the fact that there's one of you, one of you, but now they, plural, are holy. Not meaning your kids are automatically saved because one Christian parent, but it is saying, if we're holding to consistency in the text, that just as an unbelieving spouse is sanctified by that believing spouse, so the one parent who is a follower is having a sanctifying, holy effect on the children. Now, why did I tell you all this? Here's the reason I told you this. Do you ever feel, and by the way, feelings are great, but don't make all your decisions live based off of them, right? Do you ever, you ever feel or think and look at the situation of your mothering, your parenting, and go, man, I'm just, I, I must have done something wrong. <laughs> I must have messed up, right? You ever, you ever done that before? You ever done that before? Like, what did I do? What did I do? Well, Let me encourage you. The cement is still wet. It's more wet than what you think. And there are unseen things that are happening. In the text, we're dealing in a very difficult situation. He says, but I mean, don't you think in the text, if if, if you've got two people in a marriage and one of them's a believer, one's an unbeliever, do you not think that the unbeliever might be undermining some of what the believer's doing in the text? But yet Paul says there is a sanctifying, there's a holy effect that's happening on your children. Just having one Christian in the home means this. You have no idea what God is doing in their life and heart. So it's not time to throw up your hands and give up. It's not time to go, woe is me. Here's what God wants you to do. Keep practicing faithfulness. Keep doing what the scriptures have told you to do. Keep loving them correcting them, admonishing them, keep going after their heart. I think one of the hardest parts of parenting is making the transitions in life you've got to make. For instance, the younger your kid is, your discipline is a lot of structure. And then as your kid progresses in their age and maturity, we now go a lot more out after the heart. 
for instance, your 17-year-old or your 16-year-old or your 15-year-old, in the past, when they were younger, you might have just taken something away from them. But when they get to that point, you, you might have to take something away from the backside, but on the front side, you know what we've got to be concerned with? Not their begrudging submission. We've got to be concerned about their heart. We've got to be concerned about, okay, now tell me why you made the decision that you made. And how does this reflect the worship of the one true God? And I'm telling you, God is always doing something unseen. And what a privilege we get to, be, we get to have as mothers, as fathers, as sisters, as brothers, as older men, as older women, that together in the body of Christ we can do this. Would you stand to your feet and we can pray together over this? Father, we are so thankful for your design. Thankful for families. I'd ask that you would bless that you would bless people, would bless couples, that they would be open to the fruit of a union. I pray that there would be parents as their children mature through the years that there would not be a discouragement in this. I pray for all those here today. There may, be, there may be couples that desire children and you've not given them children. There also may be those that have lost children somewhere along the way that you would also make this a day of comfort, for the comfort only you can give, that they are safe in the presence of the Lord. So God, let this be a day that we memorialize our mothers, appreciate, bless them, honor them. This is appropriate. Let us ultimately honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now bless our time of singing, of taking communion, and and then have a time of making uh, just a, Another, another promise before the congregation that we can pray and help our families. In Jesus' name, amen.